great to gather with all of you this evening. I want to take my turn to extend welcome as well. Um, I uh, am grateful that we have begun to do activities together as sister churches, and I, I hope that there will be many more. Um, so thank you for your hospitality, Desert Springs, for us tonight. It's great to be with you. Um, our text we've already heard. I'd like to read it again, though, just so that we can have our attention drawn to it. It's from Luke chapter 2 and uh, the first seven verses. So before I read, may I pray for the reading and teaching of God's Word. Let's pray together. Gracious Father, thank You for Your Word, which became flesh and came down to do the work of salvation on our behalf. Lord, some of us are here tonight with confidence in that, and others of us are not so sure. Some of us are here and we're with you yesterday as well and in fellowship with your people the last many Sundays that we can remember. And others of us, this perhaps has been the first time that we have come into a church for a while. Or, or maybe there's even some, some of us here who are surprised to find ourselves in a church on Christmas Eve, not sure whether there's anything really here for us. And yet we're, we're looking for something. Something has brought us here. Lord, whatever our lot, whatever the position of our hearts and readiness for gathering in this kind of a way, in this kind of place, would you give us the faith to believe that you are speaking, that you have a word for us, and that it is here in your, in your word, the Bible, and that what we hear now read and taught to us is indeed you speaking to us. Would you give us that, we pray in Christ's name, amen. Luke chapter 2, verses 1 to 7. This is God's Word. In those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went, out to, be, and all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and lay him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the end. This is God's word. It's absolutely true, and it's given to us in love. Uh, a friend, a fellow pastor, told me a story that he had been told by somebody that he knew, so I don't know how, how many generations away this is for me to now tell you this, but I was fairly amazed at it. It stayed in my mind, and I wanted to tell you about this as well. Um, he said that he, he knew a man who arrived at work one morning and found a package, gift-wrapped package, um, on his desk with a card that read, Merry Christmas from Mike. And he opened it up, and it was a brand new Xbox console, um, just like he'd been wanting. Um, he and his family had been wanting to, to play these things together for, for the reasons why guys like to play Xbox consoles, I guess. And, and so, you know, he, he, uh, he goes to Mike and he says, Hey, Mike, thanks so much for that gift. So generous. But hey, man, these things are so expensive. You didn't have to do that. 
And Mike says, well, let me tell you something. He says, my wife left me three months ago and took the kids with her. I've been covered up with work, and I found myself feeling more and more hopeless as every day went by. He said, two months ago, I went to a pawn shop on the way home, and I, and I bought a gun and a box of bullets. And for the first two weeks after that, I was terrified of the gun. And it just sat on a shelf. And then I started taking it down from the shelf in my closet and just looking at the box. And gradually, I got to where I would open the box. And then after that, I would take it out and I would hold it for a few minutes. And after that, I started to practice loading it. And then I would un unload it. And then I would hold it for a little while after I had loaded it. And then I began to get used to the feel of it in my hand. So last week, I, I knew that I only needed a few more days before I was ready. And decided two nights ago that last night would be the night. And then yesterday, you came by my cubicle and you sat down and you asked me how I was. And you just sat and listened. So do you know that no one has just sat and listened to me for years? No one has stopped to ask me anything about myself for years. When I got home again last night, then that box on that shelf once again suddenly terrified me. So I took it back to the pawn shop, and while I was there, I saw one of these Xbox consoles, and I remembered a few weeks ago in staff meetings that you had said something about how much you wanted one of those. And I took the money from the gun and I bought that for you. You, you helped me in a way that I couldn't explain. I think you even saved my life. What, what's the big deal about getting you an Xbox? Sometimes timing is everything, isn't it? Whether you're getting your mortgage check to the bank, or whether you're delivering the punchline of a joke, or changing the oil in your car, timing matters. And sometimes the right timing can make the difference between hope and despair, maybe even between life and death, right? An organ donor dies with a match just as the organ begins to fail for the recipient. Or a friend stops by to talk just as you feel like your world is starting to fall in around you. Well, timing mattered in these biblical times too. Luke, who's considered to be one of the best historians of his day, records here for us some very time-specific things. We, we can take these things from Luke chapter 2, references to Caesar Augustus and Quirinius as governor and the calling for the census, and we can, we can pin these to history. Timing mattered in the Bible. Now, if you've been thinking about these passages we have at, at Dove Mountain, then you've been reminded that there had been a long time since the prophets had spoken. They'd been silent for 400 years. And this was on the heels of an exile and a difficult rebuilding of this place. And surely there was this eagerness, maybe even a desperation, right, for a sign. Maybe there was this kind of readiness mixed with growing despair. Willingness to give up and yet a longing for, will that, will that time come? When will be the fullness of that time? And that's what the Scriptures mean when they talk about that phrase, fullness of time. 
that when the waiting and when the eagerness and when the readiness was kind of at its climax, at its, at its greatest point, when it was then to be fulfilled in completion. Here's Mary, a virgin pregnant with a child she is told would be the hope of the world. And here she is, one of a nation of people pregnant with expectation for the coming of consolation of Israel is what the, the, the phrase several times is used in Luke to describe him. In that moment, the fullness of time had come, and the in, eternal and infinite God took on the form of a man, and he walked among people, and he felt, and he struggled, and he grieved, and he laughed, and he lived like us. God took on flesh to fulfill all things. Now we've been talking Dove Mountain about this idea of already and not yet, and I want us to use that idea that there are things that are right now already true and not yet fully consummated as sort of the lens that we look at these first verses and, and see just briefly two quick areas that there's a fulfillment of prophecy and then there's the fulfillment of faith and hope in this brief little passage. Would you look with me at that? First, there's a fulfillment of prophecy. And we see that already happening here. Because in Micah chapter 5, then the prophet said, But you, O Bethlehem, who are too small to be among the clans of Judah, you shall come from you shall come the one that I am calling. And here it is. Joseph is going down with his wife Mary to Bethlehem. And that's where she's to give birth. Isaiah chapter 7. Therefore the Lord Himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son. And they shall call His name Emmanuel. And here she is, Mary, a virgin, having conceived miraculously. The prophet Isaiah had promised that, and this is already true. And yet, even still, there's this not yet kind of anticipation of what will happen, what will be who this will be, and how will He fulfill that? And we begin to get the fuller sense of of what it means for Him to come in the fullness of time to be that consolation, that comfort of Israel. When we see what Isaiah prophesied in chapter 40, he said, Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry out to her that her warfare is ended, that her iniquity is pardoned, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice cries, In the wilderness prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up and every mountain and hill be made low. The uneven ground shall become level and the rough places made plain. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed and all flesh shall see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. This coming comfort, this long-awaited consolation of Israel was being fulfilled right here with Mary and right before Joseph's eyes in verse 5, then we see that the glory of the Lord shall be revealed. Jesus, our Emmanuel, and every valley, every hill made low. Jesus would be the fulfillment of making the paths straight. Isn't that a beautiful picture that, that valleys will be exalted and hills made low and what is now a, a treacherous path will suddenly be made smooth and easy. And in fact, that's exactly what's going on in this place. Who's the one that calls for the censor, what decree, the, the, the census, what decree brings them to Bethlehem? Well, it's Caesar's. Someone lofty, right? 
And yet, to whom is the first word and promise delivered that he has come? To the shepherds, to the lowly, who are exalted. So the high things are made low, and the low things are made high, and we are all equalized by our God. Jesus brings us that way, just as Zechariah's prophecy that we heard last, uh, last Sunday would say. And then, and then Isaiah 53 that says that He would be pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon Him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with His wounds we are healed. That isn't only the prophecy that Jesus will, uh, will fulfill. In fact, His birth was the beginning of that fulfillment. It's just not just something looking way ahead. It's an already and not yet right there. The reality of what He came to be and what He came to do is the realization of that. That He would be our burden bearer. So there's fulfillment of prophecy. And then even more, for, for, for some of us perhaps desperately more, there's the fulfillment of hope and of faith. Again, we see already and not yet. Looking way back to Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, then the seed of promise and hope was given to Adam and Eve right on the heels of their fall into sin. Right on the right on the the back of their introduction of brokenness to the world, then they were told, I will put in enmity between you and the woman, God said to Satan. And between your offspring and her offspring, he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. A friend of mine in Tennessee named Chris, he said, to be Christians means that we believe that all of history is the fulfillment of that promise. That this tension between man and the tempter will finally be overcome by Jesus. And here in Bethlehem, Christ the babe was born and we, be, we begin to see that that gospel hope is true. But there's also this not yet. And I know that our Desert Springs friends have been Working through Colossians, I, 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 I doubt you've gotten to the middle of chapter 2 yet, um, but something yet to come. Uh, the, the not yet part of tonight, right? Uh, already in Colossians, but not yet to chapter 2. Um, but chapter 2, 13 and thir- and, uh, to 17 says this, And you, who were dead in your trespasses and, and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with them having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them. Therefore, let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food or drink or with regard to festival or new moon or Sabbath. These are a shadow of the things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ." His coming work in the fulfilling of promises of Isaiah 53, living, suffering, dying, and rising on our behalf is the very fulfillment of the hope that we can have too. If your faith is in Him, then that is your hope. That this is not just something that is not yet, but it is already true for you. No one can pass judgment on you because of Christ. And thus... We see finally in Galatians 4, verses 4 to 7, this final hope of what, what does it mean to, to have received that hope, that faith, that promise. 
Galatians says, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the Spirit of His Son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you're no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. We were born that he was born that no man, no, no man no more may die. To raise the sons of earth and give them a second birth, right? Our, our second birth means that through Christ we are born to be heirs of the kingdom. Well, that's the faith that we're promised in Luke that is the, full, the fullness of time realized. That this is what our hope is. This is our faith. This is our promise. This is why we have Christmas. This is why we celebrate. It's not just because we love to give gifts, although we do. And it's not because the food and the decorations are great, although they are. Those are all in honor of this greater thing, isn't it? So take hope tonight and tomorrow and over the rest of this year and the rest of this Christmas tide that the fullness of time has come so many years ago to fulfill for you what is your deepest need. That is, that's the, the promise that God has given to you. Timing is indeed everything. Do you know that hope? Do you rest in that faith? Let's pray that we all would. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, teach us that faith that you have fulfilled in Christ and made not just possible, but real in those whom you've given it to that we have these things in both already and not yet, that we are already given the sure hope of them, even though they are not yet ultimately fulfilled and completed as You intend. And Lord, even though we may sometimes face continued brokenness, help us to take comfort in Your overcoming that brokenness. That we may sometimes still struggle in sin, that You have secured for us the forgiveness of our sin. Would You give us that hope and peace this Christmas, we pray. In Christ's name, amen.